listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so that you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. I always say I've got a real treat for you guys listening at home, but today we've got the return of uh, one of our guests from the early days and someone who is always doing amazing things within the guitar teaching and music education world and the technology world. He's been uh, praised as the owner of the Disney world of of guitar studios or music schools. We might even call him the Elon Musk of musical education. (laughs) Wow, that's, that's a big name to live up to. Wow. Yeah, well, with you seem to be this person who can manage so many projects at the same time, all of them doing really wonderful things for not just guitar students, but music students in general all around the world. So I think a, a well-deserved title and a, a good analogy to draw there. But ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know him, let's welcome Mike Grande to the podcast. Mike, that welcome otherwise to- known it, But otherwise known as the Tim Topham of rock and roll guitar. I guess you can call <laughs> it because Tim Topham's like the piano guy, right? Well, I guess you're the, you're the guitar guy, Mike. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me for a second time. It means a lot. So yeah, thank you. You're the first person to be on for a second time, which is great. I think way back in episode number two, you sort of helped us launch the podcast in the early days. And you, more than anyone else, I've been keeping an eye and I have been doing wonderful thing after wonderful thing. So let's tell our listeners all about it. Sure. So where do you want to start? I mean, I think I have a list of your questions. I'll be, you'll be the host. I'll just answer your questions. Yeah. So just a brief background. Obviously, Mike is the owner of uh, the music school's Rock Out Loud and the original Staten Island School of Rock. He founded the platform Rock Out Loud uh, and took that to a really great place over the last couple of years with all the issues we've had uh, not being able to teach in person. And last time we spoke, he just launched a special uh, project called Card Chords, and I'm sure he's got some great news to tell us about that. But for the, the listeners who don't know you yet, Mike, maybe give us a, a quick overview of your story so far and all the cool things you're working on. I mean, I pretty much said it best. I, probably 19 years ago in June, I think it was, or May, it was going to be 20 years or something like that, that I opened up my first music school. So growing up, my dad was always like, you know, you got to get a real job and then you do what you love on the side. It was, I don't even know how to spell the word entrepreneur. I just did what I loved on the side. So I got a job in IT when my wife proposed to me, I had to get a real job. So I did that. I got a dental plan and then I figured I'd save my money and do what I love. So I opened up my first music school 19 years ago and I basically had all my old students, they taught out of my school the way I taught because nobody really taught the way I taught. And it went well. And then one day I said, I'm going to move to New Jersey and maybe I'll get a music school in New Jersey and I'll start something like that. And I just said, all right, I'm going to start one up in New Jersey. So I started one up in New Jersey. And um, one of the struggles was in the Northeast, when you get a snowstorm, you're out for like three or four weeks a year with snowstorms and bad weather. So you'd spend six months making up that time for those music lessons. So in 2017, I want to say, I started to develop a platform called Rock Out Loud Live. And for those of you who 
they actually tell me I've you know invented this whole COVID thing because I wanted to launch a platform, which is not true. I did not invent the COVID nineteen uh, virus. But the point that I'm trying to make was is I put that into play because I wanted to come up with something or an alternative to Zoom where I can actually teach a music lesson in the house as opposed to at my school. So instead of making up you know these makeup lessons that took six months when you have hundreds of students because of the snowstorms, well, if we taught in the snowstorm, well, we don't have to make those lessons up. And that was the idea. So that took place for about two years. I mean, you're talking about a lot of work when you build a platform. And I always, I, I don't even know if Zoom is, is patented, but we're the first United States patented virtual platform. And I don't even know if Zoom is. But you know, to go through all that takes a long time. So as that was going through, I moved to Jersey and decided to build a music school. So I put the Rock Out Loud Live on hold, opened up Rock Out Loud, the actual brick and mortar store on November the 2nd, 2019. And that build out cost me about $650,000. I, I financed everything I owned, my home, you know, sold cars and stuff like that. And I just saved, right? And then we closed down in five months. And it was like, what do you do now? So, uh, you know, you just rely on, you know, I didn't want to lay anybody off. So I relied on like my home equity line to pay my, my people who are working for me. And I decided to bring back Rock Out Loud Live, which I did. And on the 4th of July, 2020, we launched it. And we were like in six countries in like two days. And now we're at 170 countries. It's just amazing the amount of people. We, we were doing free, you know, virtual lesson uh, platform subscriptions, but it's to a point where we don't have to do that anymore. It's word of mouth and we have so many users and it's real stable now. So there's no need to offer that free service. So you get the free seven days. So that worked out well. And um, it's funny because I was in IT for like 23 years and, uh, you know, everybody's working from home. And the, the place that I built was a financial institution, which basically said, we need to build a place that's robust. So if we have to work remotely, it'll work. So that's what I did. I built this place six, seven years ago to work remotely. And coincidentally, everybody has to work remotely because of COVID. And it was a seamless transition. So it was great. It's great for two years. Everybody's working from home. And then my boss said, listen, you got to get this vaccination or else you can't come back to work. I'm like, are you kidding me? And uh, I'm, you know, I've had some problems with the family. Uh, I lost my uncle who got vaccinated, died the next day, woke up, didn't wake up the next morning. And uh, I just didn't want to go for that vaccination. My family was against it. I lost my job. So I remember driving my son home because he works at my school. He's a guitar coach. And I said, Sal, what are we going to do for medical benefits? He's like, do something on Amazon, do something with guitar, like an index card. I'm like, eh, you know, I built something like 10 years ago and this, this guy, Scott, said it would never work, but maybe I should reinvent that and go back into it. He said, you should because you can make so much money on Amazon and I know nothing about making money on Amazon. So I went to Michael's. It's a local, um, it's like one of these, these stores where they sell, you know, hobby stuff, right? And they sell this cricket machine, which lets you die cut these pieces of plastic. So. I did all the measurements. It took me about three or four weeks and I came up with a prototype, which is the card cords. And I put it up on Amazon. It launches December 21st, I think, on Amazon. And in less, less than a month, it became Amazon's guitar accessories, number one bestseller. And I got to tell you, I did my taxes with my accountant and I think I made about $40,000 just in card cords. And that paid my medical benefits. It was amazing how just this simple idea 
could turn into, which is like a teacher's salary in some of these areas in New York City or Brooklyn or whatever it is. They make like 40000 a year. My card cards brought that in. It was amazing to see. So pay my medical benefits. And, um, you know, I guess the, the point of the story, what I'd love to, to kind of reiterate here is that I knew nothing about Amazon. You know, you can go on YouTube, you can learn, you can pay somebody a thousand bucks to you know, coach you, but you really just got to do it. And when I just got there and, and started reading and just applying myself to the YouTube channel, the help desks, going on to Amazon, calling their support, screwing up a million times, I finally did it. And now I'm selling card cards. I think so far I'm on track to probably almost double, if not triple, what I made last year with card cards because there's so many little things that I've learned. And you know, to your listeners, I'd be happy to offer any of my expertise now after doing this for about 13 or 14 months. I really know how to how to do Amazon. So if you guys, if anybody has any questions, you can hit me up at rockoutloud at gmail.com. I'll, I'll walk you through it. It's really not that hard, but there's a lot of things you got to know to really be or get, a, get across to the edge of actually selling on Amazon. So it's a great side hustle. And you wake up in the morning, you see 10, 15, 20 sales. It's like amazing. I know Card, uh, card Chords is now on guitar.com, guitarworld.com. It's going to be a premier guitar. I'm going to be at the NAMM show. So I'm selling 30 to 40 to 50 a day in Card Chords. So the inventory is just like, it's coming in, it's going right back out. So it's just an amazing. It's an amazing feeling to know that this stupid little idea, because I didn't get vaccinated and needed to figure out medical benefits, that's how this came to fruition. Amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And uh, another case of necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> First, you needed a way to solve all these makeup lessons that you had to do. So you invented Rock Out Loud, the platform. Then uh, you obviously had to make up some income. And these card cords were the solution. And I think for anyone listening, if you have a good idea, stick by yourself and go and make it happen. And if you don't quite know how to get it out, go and find someone who's done what you want to do or something similar. Because like cord card, card cord, sorry, they're such a simple idea. And I'm sure so many other people have gone, you know what, this would be a great idea. But the difference between you and them is you actually went out and did it. And now you get the- uh, You know, you know what's funny, paper. Mike? You said you said cord cards, and that's my competitor. So when I came up with this idea, I said card cords, and then I flipped it, and I saw if there was a domain registered I wanted to see, and there is cord cards. So naturally, you go to the website. It's a defunct website that had, a, I guess, one of those startup um, platforms like uh, to raise money, whatever they call those platforms. Kickstarter or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it was like a Kickstarter campaign, and this was years ago. He's out of stock on his website with the exception of one thing. It's a defunct website with no posts, no updates. So I called up. I said, listen, actually, I know I emailed them. I said, listen, I'd be happy to purchase you. I'll buy you out. You know, I'll buy out your inventory and because I, I got this idea. He said, oh, thanks so very much. I appreciate it, but we're not going to sell. And if you copy me, I'm going to sue you. I'm like, tell me, you're going to sue me if I come up with a product that's similar to yours? It's like suing Fender because Gibson came out. It makes no sense. So, um, long story short was I flipped it and he's still a defunct company and uh, Card Chords is just doing amazing. So, Card Chords was something that was already around. It was called Cord Cards, but the big difference was, was the frets were not cut out. So, you couldn't put the card between the frets and the fretboard or the strings in the fretboard and actually play the chord at the same time. It's just not possible with the card, with the cord cards. So that's why I said mine was going to be a lot different in that it's an actual thing that you can play while on the device, the guitar. So uh, even though it was an idea based on that same you know index card of uh, you know 
flashcard type type thing, it was totally different in that you can play the guitar with it. So uh, yeah, so even if someone's got an idea similar to yours, doesn't mean or it shouldn't distract you. I mean, look, like I just said, Fender is a guitar company and so is Gibson and so is Charvel and Jackson and Guild and Taylor. I mean, Taylor is a success story. They're a newer company and they went up against the Martins of the world. I mean, Martins have been around for a hundred years. Then that Taylor and Taylor makes an amazing guitar. So even though the idea might still be out there, it doesn't mean you don't come up with a better one. That's it. Yeah. And find someone who can help you implement it. Because I'd hate to think how many great ideas are yet undiscovered because someone goes, you know what? I've got a great idea. Let's put it on Amazon. I don't know what to do. And it's, well, understand guys, it's big, it's scary. It's uncharted territory. You might not be great with computers, but if you've got a good idea, you just have to figure out how can I make this a real thing? How can I bring this into reality? That's exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I definitely want to come back and talk about these. Uh, I just, sorry, I keep going to say it the wrong way around, these card chords. <laughs> the alliteration of that sound keeps jumping around. Definitely want to come back to the card chords and some more Amazon projects. I think we could learn so much for it, all the passive income, all the setup and things like that. But I think I saw you on social media running around Africa helping people learn. Do you want to tell us what that was? <laughs> That was, so I, I got to tell you, and, and this goes, but you asked me like, you know, how do you keep your mind into all these different places? I was, I watched like, I don't watch a lot of television, but what I do watch is this thing called uh, selling mega mansions, not to see the houses, but to learn about what the people do to afford those houses. I'm fascinated with learning about millionaires and their stories. I mean, like Richard Bronson, or I'm reading now about Jeff Bezos. I love learning about their journey, but when you watch a television show, they're, not finishing their journey, but they've reached their a milestone to buy a two or three, five million dollar house. So I'm watching television and this woman gets on, her name is Mary Finero. She's looking to buy a house in Beverly Hills. And the woman naturally says, so Mary, what do you do for a living? She goes, well, I build schools in Rwanda. I have a music school that I just built in Rwanda. And the woman said, oh, you must be a musician. And Mary's like, I have no idea. I have no idea how to play an instrument. No idea anything about music. I know nothing. But I was in a cab and one of the drivers in, in Rwanda said, you should you know, open up a music school. Kids in Rwanda would love music. They need music. So she built a music school. So I actually paused it, ran to my computer, looked her up, and I found like 10 different ways, ways to get in touch with her. And by the way, she's friends with like Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox, the friends, you know, the girls. So she's like a movie star in some sort, an older one anyway. She's, she was on Miami Vice. So I look her up. And I said, listen, I'm a music guy. I have some schools. If there's anything I could do to ever help you, this is my number. And she reached out to me and we started to talk. And she goes, well, yeah, I'd love to have you come to Rwanda. In fact, you know, I, we're really, we're looking for somebody to write a curriculum for the country for music lessons. And I said, then I'm your guy. I got music books. I got tons of experience. And it led to her saying to me, listen, we have to pitch the minister of education in Rwanda and he's got a look at it and see if in fact this is something he wants to do. And I said, he would take the books that I wrote and use them in Rwanda to teach their entire country. And she said, that's the goal. I failed, I think four times. We were unable to do it. This is the last time. And you're my only guy. You're the saving grace. Do you want to do it? I said, yes. So she said, we're going to raise some money. I flew out to Los Angeles and hung out with Kevin Costner and all these big famous stars, Billy D. Williams. So these famous stars raise money. We raise like $250,000 and I fly out to Rwanda and I said, listen, I'm not teaching these teachers how to be teachers. I'm teaching them how to be coaches. She's like, whoa, 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 what are you, 
this is not a basketball team. I'm like, no, it's not a basketball team, but I'm going to teach them how to be a coach, not a teacher. And she said, they're not going to understand. It's a different culture. I said, Mary, you're just going to let me do this. So I got there and uh, I don't have teachers. I have coaches and I explained to them the difference. And I could go into this, but it's really, it'd be a whole different podcast. So the long story short was I raised, I asked everybody to raise their hand if you're a teacher. And all 16 of these, these people raised their hands. And these are professional musicians and music teachers. So they all raised their hands. By the last day I left, I said, okay, raise your hands if you're a teacher. And no one raised their hands. I said, raise your hands if you're a coach. And they all did. It was an amazing experience. So on Tuesday, I taught the first day all day. The second day I taught. And then I had to meet the minister of education in a place called Minaduck. And it's in the center of, the, of Rwanda, the city of Rwanda. And it's the education system. So you go in and you speak to like these people. These are the people that direct the curriculum for music and education in the country. So it was me, it was Mary and a couple of other people. And I just told them what I do, showed them my book. And it was amazing because they're like, no, I don't understand this whole coach concept. I want to see what you do. I said, sure, I'm teaching every day this week. I'm here the whole week. So this guy and his entourage show up. Now, it's like a hut in Rwanda. These like, these like hut type of things, down hills. It's like you've never seen anything like it. And he comes with his entourage of Escalades. It was like such a paradox between you know, the rich and the poor, right? So these beautiful cars come down to this hut. They get out and they sit and watch me for about three hours about how to become a coach. And, um, you know, I've taught in front of people before, but this is the minister of education and his entourage. And after the three hours, the guy gets up, looks at me, looks at the students and says, Rwanda no longer needs teachers. Rwanda needs his coach. They need coaches. And it was like, oh my God, we finally sold this music program that I wrote and I built to the country of Rwanda. And they are now accepting them as coaches. It was just an amazing experience because kind of like put that exclamation point of what I firmly believe in, in terms of teachers versus coaches. Um, I'm writing a book, as a matter of fact, right now, from teacher to coach and why you would never want to be a teacher. That's going to be something maybe I'll say for Tim Topham. We've got to give Tim Topham a little bit of a love. So uh, yeah, so that was my Rwanda experience. And I got to tell you, you know, the, the children in Rwanda didn't speak a lick of, Engl lick of English, but I was able to use my group lessons with them that worked amazing. Um, I was able to teach through music without the, the English language. It was amazing because they, they really got it. And those kids absolutely need love. They don't even know how to hug. And I'm a hugger and I was hugging the kids and it was just, we, we had such a great time. It was a most touching experience of my life and, and I'll never forget it. But if anybody ever has a chance to do mission type of work in a country like Rwanda or anywhere in Africa, it's a life-changing experience. That is an amazing story. And yes, very, very excited uh, to hear the announcement of your book. And I think one of the biggest pivots for myself was coming to that realization that as a teacher, you wear multiple hats. Sometimes you're teaching them, but the biggest transition for me was becoming more of a coach and going, you know what, if we just teach and teach and teach and teach, you're just going to overload the student. You're going to overwhelm them. And they can practice over and over and over again. The big mistake most teachers make is they tell you what to practice, but they never show you how to practice. So that coaching element is really, really important. Is there, I don't, without spoiling the next episode or, or what's in the book, is there any 
one single lesson or bit of advice on that topic of transitioning from being a teacher to being a coach you could share with our listeners? Well, I could, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, um, I'll propose to you a question that I do with everybody when I'm actually on this topic. And it's a very simple question. So in grades kindergarten through fifth grade, Michael, what was the name of the teacher who taught you how to read? Look at that. Yeah. Now you, yeah, yeah, you don't know. Now watch, watch this. Ready? This is amazing. What was the name from kindergarten to fifth grade? What was your favorite teacher's name? Miss Lancashire. <laughs> now you remember Miss Lancashire, and I would guarantee it's been 20 years since you thought of Miss Lancashire, yet you don't even remember the person who taught you how to read, which you do every single day. And my father's a doctor of education, and he's, he's given me this as a gift, this, this exercise as a gift. And it speaks volumes about the difference between a teacher and a coach. It's not what you learn. My father is a PhD, a doctor of education, who taught in the school systems in Brooklyn, New York for 40 years. And he's always said to me, you will never, ever remember what you're taught. You'll always remember how you were treated. And you're remembering this teacher because of the way she or he made you feel. Forget about what you learned. It was how they made you feel. A coach's job is to make you feel great about yourself. That's a really big difference between a teacher and a coach. So it's not what you learn. It's how you're treated. So that's a big takeaway. So this book is going to be an amazing book. I actually, I'm trying to get onto a TED Talk. That's my, that's my goal for 2023 is to get on a TED Talk. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm like itching to get the pre-order link for this. So <laughs> as soon as you've got that one out, let us know so we can share that with our listeners because that is very, very deeply impactful stuff. Now, Mike, you do have, again, all these projects. You're, you're running two schools. You've got this online platform. Three schools. It's called three, three schools. schools. Yeah. And is the third one, this one over in Africa, or you've got a third location now? No, third location. This other location is in Tampa, Florida. I bought that in May, so I have three locations now. Oh, fantastic. So you're running three music schools. Uh, you're writing curriculums for other countries. You've got the, the uh, card chords. How do you manage all this, fit everything in, prioritize projects? Like, what, what is the secret here for anyone who's looking to run multiple companies or, or do multiple projects without burning out or not putting enough energy into the things that need it? If you, um, it, I love reading books. If you ever read any books, as a book on Walt Disney by Neil, Neil, Gar Neil Gaber, Garber, it's a Walt Disney. And you learn how Walt Disney was able to manage and handle everything, different parks, different, uh, I mean, it was this Disneyland, but he also did the, um, the World's Fair in, I think, 1954 or whatever it was, 55. And he, he was a, you know, an amazing guy with movies and cartoons and Disneyland he did everything and you read books, you learn what he does. And it's basically, it's you find the right people. So there are people and I call them seats on the bus. If you find the right person for the right seat on the bus, it will make your life so much easier. So I have found an incredible, we call them stage managers, not office managers. I have found an incredible set of stage managers. My New York stage manager is the best of the best. She helps me with everything. She runs my school in Staten Island. I have an amazing stage manager in New Jersey. She runs my New Jersey location. And then I just hired, have this new place and we're really now developing a stage manager over in, in my Florida location. But you really need to get and trust and delegate people that you really think can do the job. If you're sitting them on the wrong seat, you either have to figure out what seat they belong in or get them off the bus. 
And if you don't do that, you'll, you'll never be able to do other projects. So you really have to know the, the people you're working with and be comfortable and trust them so well that you know that you can move to the next step. So I wouldn't have been able to get this third school without having my stage managers in school one and school two. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have been able to do the card cords unless everybody kind of was in place in their locations on their right seats at the bus. So I think it's incredibly important that if you find the right person and you trust them, you delegate and you're basically there just for the emergencies. And, you know, I have rental properties. I have nine tenants, I think, and I know how to manage them. And I'm not there all the time. I'm not there getting the phone calls all the time. You just, once you figure out how to do it. So for those of you who have ever wanted to get into rental properties, the first few years are a disaster. But when you figure it out, it's so smooth. You know, like Rock Out Loud Live had some hiccups in the beginning, like everything does. You get those bugs ironed out, you figure out how to run them, and then you delegate somebody to manage it. You know, as long as you do that, it frees you up to do things that you love, like the card cords or fly out to Africa and not have to worry about your three music schools while you're there. There's a lot of, you know, in fact, I closed on my music school the day before I went to Africa and I had flown out my office manager, which is my stage manager in New York. I flew her out to Tampa to run it. So I was in Africa while I just purchased a brand new music school and somebody else was running it. I mean, if you can't do that, you know, how do you get to that next project? So you have to really trust the people you're working with. Yeah. Some amazing insights there. So I'm very grateful for you sharing those with our listeners. And uh, guys, we'll research that book and we'll pop the link in the, the bottom of the podcast notes as well so you can check out that book. Purchasing another music school. So I know we're definitely going off the uh, script here, but we just definitely want to dive into things. So what sort of led you to finding the school, discovering a deal, building up a location, obviously in another state that's going to draw a lot of your attention as well. So what, what's sort of the process behind acquiring another school and why did you do it and how did you do it? I, I got to thank first Tim Topham. He said, because uh, I was thinking about buying another book, buying another school, or actually uh, building another school, sorry. And Tim Topham's like, Mike, you got to read this book called Build, then, then, is it Buy, then Build, or something like that. And I read it, you know, the day he recommended it, I read it and within like two or three days. And I said, I'm going to buy a school because it makes so much sense. To open up Rock Out Loud Live cost me $650,000. My school in New York 20 years ago, probably $100,000, whatever it was. To put that money down and then worry about building a clientele and bringing on teachers and coaches. And then it, was just, it would have been crazy for me. So I just found that if you just search, and I just did a Google search for schools for sale. And there were some of them that came up and I just started to inquire about them. But if you know what you're looking for, I knew I wanted to a rock and roll music school. It had to teach guitar, bass, drums, and voice. It had to be, you know, like a young kind of crowd who taught there. I wasn't going to worry about, you know, the violin and cello teachers. I didn't want to do classical music. It was strictly rock and roll. And when I found one, I knew that if I was to just spend, I think whatever I spent on it was a fraction of what it would have cost if I was to build it. Because after you build it, then you got to start promoting it, marketing it. So if you hit the ground running with 50 students, instead of losing an incredibly amount of money, you just only, I basically lost uh, not much money, but you know, you lose a little bit as you build because you have to like redesign the place and stuff like that. But you got that income coming in. You also have some really good coaches that you've inherited. And you know, so that was, that was a much better idea than just building from scratch. I wanted to do it. Uh, Tim gave me the idea. I read the book and just did it. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> 
And yeah, definitely saving lots of time in terms of just instead of going from zero to 50 and losing money the whole time, to be able to just go to 50 and build on top of that is definitely a smarter way of thinking about it. Yeah. Well, so thanks to Tim. Tim Topham, I appreciate that one. Thank you. Got to have a word to Tim. He's not recommending me any of these books. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I just didn't read my emails. That's probably more like it is I've just uh, not read my emails, but I'll I'll go and have a check. One way or another, I'm going to have a word to Tim. Now, in your recent social media, uh, as we, we saw and you even mentioned in the opening of this podcast, that you're going to NAM. Now, we're not going back in time to join a war. Can you tell our listeners, maybe for the international listeners here and my fellow Aussies, what NAM is and what sort of sparked that motivation to go and make that happen? I, I'm surprised that it's, it's an international organization, North American Music Merchants, even though it's North American. Um, it's also, I mean, you see people from China, Japan, all the, all over the world have come there. So it's almost like the hub for all the music industry folks who buy retail, who make guitars and stuff like that, or even any, any instrument, like a cello, violin, drums. So they all kind of congregate to Anaheim, California. I went there for my, for the first time, I think probably 28, 29 years ago when my hair was down to my waist and I just wanted to go. And it was like, wow, it's, it's like an amazing experience because like you'll see uh, Eddie Van Halen would be walking around, Joe Satriani, oh, there's Steve I and there's Eric Johnson. And what is Clapton doing here? That's Beck. That's what you would see at the NAMM show because Fender was bringing in Clapton. And, you know, Eddie Van Halen was there for, at the time, I think it was just launching the Wolfgang guitar or whatever it was. And you'd see all these folks there and I always wanted to be part of it. So the NAMM show is coming up and it's so strange how things work out. I had a friend named Lloyd. If anybody knows Tech 21, um, Tech 21 makes the most incredible foot pedals and, and amplifiers. And I was really good friends with this guy, Lloyd, who built a lot of the Tech 21 stuff. And I'm thinking about going to NAM, and I know Lloyd always used to go to NAM, so I Google him. And wouldn't you know it, he died the last day of the last NAM show in like 2019 or 2020. And I was like, I cannot believe he died at the NAM show. I woke up thinking about this guy, Lloyd, Lloyd Schwartz, who was a friend of mine. I didn't even know he passed away because of COVID. You know, we didn't play shows anymore. We used to see him at shows. So long story short is I just applied for NAM. Then you get the, the, the numbers back and it's like, all right. So it's like $5,000 for a five-foot exhibit, $15,000 for a 10-foot exhibit. And I'm like, how the hell can anybody afford these exhibits? So I, I'm like, all right, I could afford the, the five, t- five foot by 10 foot exhibit. What am I going to do? I'm going to sit there with my little card cord deck and show people these card cords. I said, what, well, you know, there's a, there's a 10 foot by 10 foot wide by f- five foot deep, but there's no real, I mean, it's a convention center. There's no real restrictions on the height. So I guess I can keep going as high as I want. So I said, what if I get like an 11 foot guitar to go across this little area of my section, my booth? And then have this mechanical card cord slide in and out because I can't afford to bring a staff to manage the booth if I had to get something to eat. So if I'm getting something to eat and somebody passes the card cord booth and I'm not there, they're not going to know what it is. So I said, well, what if I just have a card cord that's like this giant two-foot card cord sliding outside and inside of an 11-foot neck? And that was my plan. I drew it up and everything. And now I got to find somebody that can actually do it. I would say that when the first person said no and the 10th person said no, I can't do it. The 50th person said no. I just can't. I, I am so persistent. I never take no for an answer. I kind of feed off of that. I finally found somebody that said, yeah, I could probably build this 3D guitar, but how are we going to get this mechanical arm to move your card cord 
from the outside of the guitar and then in between the strings and the frets. I said, I have an idea. There are these camera devices that people put on. It's like a tripod, but if you're going to be doing a panoramic, they put the camera on it and it actually moves. It's almost like a, a rail. It moves the camera horizontal. I said, why don't we just get that and put a card cord on there instead of a camera? The guy goes, I think that's a great idea. So I actually, he, he took the job. He took the job in November and he started building it. I just posted some of those pictures and it's going to be amazing. And then the NAM people got a hold of it and they learned what the card chords were all about. It was in uh, guitar.com, guitar player, guitarworld.com, whatever it was. And they decided to take my, my small little 10 by 5 exhibit and they're going to keep it 10 by 5, but they're moving me to the innovation showcase of the NAM show. So there's probably going to be, I don't know, 150, 200,000 people. And there's this one little section for the innovation showcase. And I am the center of that location. Can you believe it? That's amazing. It's that universe is telling you something. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think, uh, yeah, NAM's something I've never been to, but definitely on the list, like uh, almost guitar mecca in terms of who you can meet there and all the amazing stuff that's going to get announced and released and things like that. So to go straight to the innovation center, that's something obviously really, really special there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Totally not even expected. They just put me there after they you know, saw the product. Cause I was in, a, I was all the way in the corner by the registration section, which was literally all the way in the corner. And then I got an email when I woke up one day, like, yeah, you're an innovator. We're going to put you in the innovation showcase. Wasn't complaining. Now, I do want to ask you one more time about Rock Out Loud. And we sort of alluded to the fact that it's just an amazing school, absolutely breathtaking. Guys, if you're listening to this and going, who's this Mike guy and what is this Rock Out Loud school? Check it out online. Uh, go to the website, uh, rockoutloud.com. There is so many. It's just visually stunning. But Mike, my question to you is, when you've got something that starts at like 11 out of 10, how do you keep going and making it better and improving it uh, so you keep giving it that wow factor to your existing customers as well as anyone new that's coming in? Wow, that's a great, great, great question. So I think it's we, we have the um, facility built and it's not so much just making a change with painting something different or adding something. It's just what else can you add to the experience? So things like the group class, things like having a – we have a theater, a 15-person 15, 15 or chair theater and we now have people who are interviewed. So we interview kids on the podcast. So if a kid comes in to learn music lessons, it's amazing because they're learning how to play music from our school. Then they rehearse and they practice. They play their first show. And then they go out and they, they're playing the Stone Pony or the Bitter End in New York City. And then we bring them into our back room and we offer them the experience of a YouTube podcast that's filmed in 4K cameras. It's three separate cameras. It's streamed on all the platforms. The kids really feel like a rock star. It's on podcast platforms as well. And it's just, just plussing that experience. So you have the facility if you just let it go. And yeah, we got a great teaching room. We got some IMAX. That's one thing. But if you're saying, hey, we're going to get you into our podcast room, we're going to do that. And then we have an entirely different section called the Artist Unlimited. So when a kid is done playing that show and they want to write their own songs, they're headed right to our recording studio. And they really do live tracking. I mean, the studio is amazing studio. It's like a spaceship. I think it's um, the header of my Facebook page is me sitting there on my chair in my, my recording studio. You can see what it looks like. 
But aesthetically, it's like a spaceship and people absolutely love the vibe that they get there. So you got to keep offering that more. You got to plus the experience. You can't do much more with the facade. I mean, it's 3,800 square feet or whatever it is, and you can only build so much. But then you just add that with the experience. Ooh, parents, kids love it. We're almost at 300 students. And uh, it's really, it's a lot of word of mouth now. Yeah, that's really, really amazing stuff. And as we said, guys, you just got to check it out. Seeing is believing and you'll be absolutely blown away. And I guess if you're in the area, is it worth them coming down and having a look around? Oh, absolutely. Rob Spappi, I always... Rob S., one of the guitar players, I always mispronounce his last name, but Rob is not that far from me. He's in North Jersey. He's Rob School of Music. He came down. Danny Thompson, he came down to uh, see it. He was in the area as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's like the Disneyland of rock and roll music lessons. That's what the mayor of New, of New Jersey calls it. And a well-deserved title. Now, Mike, we are getting near the end of this podcast here, and I really do appreciate your time. When we were teeing this one up, you said you had a very special announcement that you're going to make uh, and share with the rest of the world and that we're going to give our listeners the hot drop. So do you want to spill the beans on this exciting new project or product that you've got? I do. So I am all about just giving and I love giving, giving, giving. So um, I have an idea that I'm going to present to you. And this idea I think could make anybody who's listening a lot of money on Amazon. Uh, a couple of things on Amazon and a couple of, I guess, tricks or things that you got to keep in mind is the smaller the package, the bigger the profit. And what that means is that when Amazon stores and ships your product, the smaller it is, of course, the less they take. The bigger it is, the more they take. So if you have a mandolin, and I was selling mandolins, um, not mandolins, ukuleles, the ukulele was fairly big and I paid a lot of money for them to actually sell it for me, to ship it, to store it, etc. So with the card cords, it's just a small box. This happens to be a guitar pick, but it's not a regular guitar pick. I came out with this I want to say about 20 years ago, it's on my album called, and you, I, if you want to listen to it, it's called My Dash Between the Numbers. And there's two songs that I use this on. It was called Watching the, Cloud Fa- Watching the Cloud Factory and A Walk in November. You'll hear what it sounds like on an acoustic guitar. So I wanted a 12 string to record. And by the way, if you Google this, somebody came out with this idea probably like three or four years ago. It's defunct. They didn't go anywhere. Sort of like chord cards and card chords. So the chord cards, same exact thing. That's why I wanted to sh- share this with you, Michael. I want somebody to steal this on me. Please steal this idea. It's a great idea. So this is a prototype. So what I've done was I took a, a medium pick and a heavy pick. And in the center, I kind of pancake this little, um, it, it's like a sticky thing. It's a little, it's a thick enough to make it so when you, when you strike the string, and I'll put this up against the camera, when you strike the string, it, there's a, a space between there. Let's call it two or three millimeters or centimeters. That's enough to make your guitar sound like an acoustic 12 string. So I'll play you the difference, and you can hear it, I hope, between the 12 string and a six string. So I have my guitar here. So this is a regular pick. Thank you. Let's get to it. it. Sounds good. But if it was Rock Out Loud Live, it would sound great. But this is the pick. Now, if you take the pick, now I have a medium and a heavy. Now, it's a totally different sound. Get that? Get that? It's almost like, a, and to compare that to a regular pick, so you get that vibrant 12 string sound that really fills it up. So, what does a guitar pick cost? Well, you can get a guitar pick probably for about, I don't know, 
15, 20 cents. You probably can get them cheaper. There's Steve Clayton, they sell picks. You can get two different sizes. You can sell them in different sizes. You can do a heavy and you can do a thin. You can do a heavy and a medium. You can do a medium and a thin. You can do as many types of picks as you want. Now, let's say it costs you to make, let's call it a whopping 50 cents to make two picks and put a package together. You put it on Amazon, let's say for three bucks, you're making $2.50. Now, let's say Amazon takes 50 cents or $1.50, $2. You can double your money by selling a pick. If you sell them in quantity, and these are so cheap to make, and if you want to even go out to China, you can probably do that as well. But you can do this and set this up in packaging and send them out to Amazon and probably make a killing because people don't mind spending five bucks. Usually it's like uh, five bucks for a product and they don't even usually return it at that point. So the point I guess I'm trying to make is the cheaper the product to make, which is this pick, the easier it is, I think, in my opinion, to actually go to Amazon and make a lot of money really quick. And if you want any tips or tricks on how to do that, I can certainly walk you through the whole Amazon.com setup. Yeah. Wow. What a great idea. And uh, let's have a little challenge for our listeners. First one to uh, get the pick, I will buy, I will be your first customer if you manage to get something on Amazon. So hit me up, hit Mike up. Great idea. Yeah. (laughs) It is a great idea. And it's, again, one of them things where let's reinvent the wheel. Let's see what can happen. But the margin, I think that's the most important lesson that you could share and that is buy low, sell high or with Amazon in the case that you said, the, the profit really is in, in how small you can make it and how big a margin you can make on it. So really, really solid advice there. But I mean, you're a guitar player. Have you ever thought of putting two picks together strategically enough to make it sound like an acoustic guitar with two separate size picks with two thicknesses? I've bought a pick which kind of has two points on it and they are kind of like space like that for anyone who's watching you'll be able to see what i'm doing but i've seen one which is kind of like that which for me it sounded absolutely terrible so it was one of those like gimmicks of um and i think it also it was meant to be like a triple pick so it had like a double it had a single it had a double and it had like a side where we we have these biscuits in australia called shapes and the edge was like a crinkled so you got like a crinkled kind of circular it had like four or five circular bumps on one side and it just scratched the string and sounded horrible so i don't know how this like cleared quality control is absolutely terrible but listening to that even though it was two foot away from the the microphone you could hear a substantial difference between a normal pick and and what you did just then so yeah i think that's an amazing idea And, and yours is just literally two picks stuck together at the moment it's not like a special product at this point is it no, it's not. It's it's a medium and it's a heavy. I, when you use the thin and the heavy, it's a beautiful, beautiful full tone. So if nobody does it, I guess I'll be back here next year and telling everybody I made another $50,000 selling stupid guitar picks. So, I mean, you got to do it. You just got to do it. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned getting in touch with you. So, Mike, where can our listeners find you online and, and get in touch with you? Yeah, you can hit me up at rockoutloud at gmail.com. Um, pretty much all. And so if you want to follow my music schools, anybody that's got a music school or um, their music guitar teachers or coaches or whatever it is, I would really implore you to just get a look at my social media for all my music schools. Take Rock Out Loud, for example. If you look at my TikTok for Rock Out Loud, uh, my Instagram or my Facebook, it's really presenting my student and making the student the focal point. When you do that for your teaching services or whatever it is, your school, you just make your student the focal point. It's like a whole different world because parents really love that. 
it's really spotlighting the children and that's what it's all about. So if you really do stuff like that, that would really help. So hit me up on my social media accounts, Rock Out Loud for TikTok, for Instagram, for Facebook. And another thing for any of those guitar teachers, just another bit of advice for if you want to grow your business, Google My Business is probably the most important thing you can do because anybody who's looking for guitar lessons, you Google guitar lessons, you look for guitar lessons, and you put it in Google. It's not like you're looking for guitar lessons and Facebook just comes up at you. That's going to stream some ads and maybe what you like. But people Google your stuff all the time. So if you're looking for music lessons and you Google it, you really got to update your Google My Business every single week. And I implore you to check out the Rock Out Loud or the Staten Island School of Rock. My Google My Business is updated every week with new ads, with new pictures, with new just different things and videos that I can share with my audience. So if you want to build a business in this rock and roll music community of teaching, you got to update your Google My Business. It is a free service. Google loves it because you're actually posting content and they're going to deliver your content because they feel it's relevant to the user who is looking for music lessons. Well, that's a bit of a mic drop moment to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for sharing that there, Mike. So on behalf of our listeners, the Top Music crew, thank you so much for tuning in. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again. And we absolutely cannot wait to have you on the next one, whether that's with Tim Topham on the main podcast or whether you're telling us about whichever other crazy ventures you've come up with, products you've created, and what other amazing things you have to share with the world. So guys, hit up Mike. We'll post all the links to his social media and his schools wherever you're listening to this podcast. And guys, thank you so much. We'll see you in the next exciting episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. Thank you so much and see you in the next Thank you for having me, Mike. Great seeing you. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.